Well, hey, Merry Christmas, and uh, so glad you can be with us tonight. And of course, Jesus is the reason we're here together, and there's no replacing him. Hey, I wonder, do you have any uh, just Christmas traditions that maybe you did as a family growing up? I'll tell you a little bit about ours. Uh, I grew up in a really traditional church, and every Christmas Eve, we went out to our church in the country, this kind of beautiful church, about six miles out of town, surrounded by cornfields on all sides. And uh, one of the cool things about going on Christmas Eve is it was the one night when you pulled up, you could see the stained glass glowing from the outside because the lights were on inside. And uh, in our church, there was a long aisle down the middle and a bunch of stained glass up front and then along the windows along the sides of the building. And uh, we would go, and Christmas Eve usually consisted of a bunch of Christmas hymns, even some of the ones we sang tonight, and uh, then a program from the kids. And as a kid growing up, you always had a part that you had to recite at Christmas, on Christmas Eve. And so you had to memorize that ahead of time and be ready for that, a verse or verses, and then some songs. But if you ever forgot, there was always a lady down on the front, on her knees in front of the front pew who was kind of giving you cues in case you forgot what you were supposed to say. And then after your part, you know, you were kind of sitting there and you were told very firmly and sternly to be quiet or you wouldn't get the gift waiting for you at the end of the night. But the whole time I'm sitting there, I can remember thinking uh, not so much about what was going on or even about maybe my part before I got up. I was more, my, my mind was wandering to the next morning to celebrating Christmas. And after we wrapped up on Christmas Eve, when we left the church, uh, some of the ushers who were there, they would hand us these big uh, brown sacks. And they were full of peanuts, about a third of the way full, just peanuts in the shell, roasted peanuts, and a handful of oranges and apples. But the thing that made it worth digging through was the little bit of candy they threw in there too. Then we went to my great-grandma's house, and at my great-grandma's house, my family would be there, some extended family, and we'd share a meal together a little bit later in the evening. And uh, in between everything going on, uh, we would be digging through our bag, trying to find the candy, picking it out between the oranges and the apples, and maybe pawn off a couple of those on some other kid. And uh, we would open a few gifts and then go home, uh, put out some cookies for Santa, go to bed, and then wake up the next morning to open all our gifts. Do you have any memories like that? That was Christmas for me over and over and over growing up every year. And it's just, it's just nostalgic to think about. And when I think about Christmas and when I think about Christmas Eve, I can't help but think about those things. Have you ever wondered though, uh, maybe you did that, maybe you opened gifts and you got some good ones over the years, but have you ever wondered why? I mean, that's where my head was all night was the gifts in the morning. You ever wondered why we give gifts at Christmas? Well, some people think it goes back to the Magi when they visited Jesus. And of course, they show up in Matthew chapter two, and Jesus is probably actually about two years old at this point, or close to it. And it says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They went to the house. There they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him, and they opened their treasures. They gave him gold and incense and myrrh. And so since they gave gifts to Jesus, we give gifts to one another. But of course, there was another gift given at Christmas, right? Uh, God's gift to us when he gives us his son for, you might know this verse, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only son. It was a gift to us. And it was a gift to us, right? Isaiah chapter nine, for unto who a child is born? To us. 
It's for us. It's a gift to us. And we heard this already. Anita read this from 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. But how, how does God show his love for us? Well, he sent, he gave his one and only son. He sent him into the world. He sent him, why? So that we could receive life. He sent him so we could receive that gift. And what a great, great gift it is. Well, tonight I want to talk a little bit about gifts. And we're going to talk real long, but because I know some of you, you're thinking about the gifts you have waiting for you under the tree. You want to get home and either open them or get to bed so you can get them in the morning. But you know, uh, we give gifts to Jesus and Jesus gives a gift to us. Uh, you might turn with me to, Matthew, or to Isaiah chapter 11 tonight. Uh, chapter 11, excuse me, chapter 53. We were in Isaiah chapter 11 a few weeks ago. Isaiah chapter 53, and uh, it'll also be on the screen. But in Isaiah chapter 53, we read about Jesus. And Isaiah, uh, hundreds of years before, about seven to 800 years before Jesus was born, was prophesying things about him. And here's some of the things he said. He said his servant, God's servant, he's talking about Jesus now. He grew up like a tender young plant. He grew up uh, like a root coming up out of dry ground. He, he didn't have any beauty or majesty that made us notice him. There wasn't anything special about the way he looked that drew us to him. Men looked down on him. They didn't accept him. He knew all about sorrow and suffering. He, he was like someone people turned their faces away from. We looked down on him. We didn't have any respect for him. You know, when you think about, about Christmas, you don't necessarily think about Jesus coming that way, do you? When you think of him as mild and tender as a little baby, who could, who could hate a little baby? <laughs> but this baby who was born would grow up to be rejected. He'd be acquainted with grief and sorrow and suffering. And then we get to verse four. We kind of read a little bit about our gifts to Jesus. See, you're, you're going to see that our gifts are received by him as a gift, just like you and I receive gifts at Christmas. Here's, here's our gift to Jesus. Check this out. He suffered the things we should have suffered. He suffered what I should have suffered. What I deserve to suffer, Jesus suffered. In fact, he took on himself the pain that should have been ours, that should have been mine. This is all happening. All of his suffering, here's what Isaiah is saying. He's going to suffer, and you know Why? Because of you, because of me. That's what he's saying. He bore our griefs. And Isaiah's even saying, because of me, our griefs, our sin. That's why he suffers. And we thought God was punishing him. You might recognize this, maybe out of a different translation, that we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. We didn't esteem him. We, we, we assumed that, there, what did he do to get that punishment? What did he do to earn that? Suffering on the cross. This is what would happen 30 some odd years later after Jesus' birth at Christmas. We thought God was wounding him and making him suffer. But the servant was pierced because we had sinned. He was crushed because we had done what was evil, not because he had. He was punished to make us whole again. 
and his wounds have healed us. All of us, all of us are like sheep. You know anything about sheep? They're not the smartest animals in the barn. I mean, they tend to follow one another. They, they take off. And uh, Isaiah's saying, they, they stink, by the way, too. They bite. Uh, you're kind of like a sheep, Isaiah's saying, which could be received as a bit of an insult. Uh, but all of us are like them. And we've wandered away, not, not from the barn. We've wandered away from the shepherd, God. Every one of us, we've turned to our own way. And so the Lord has placed on his servant, on, he's speaking about Jesus here, the sins of all of us. He placed on him the sins of us all. Paul picks up on this, and it's repeated over and over in the New Testament, but Paul says it like this, that um, for our sake, he made him, he made Jesus, the Father made Jesus, who never sinned to become sin. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. That, That on the cross, Jesus takes my sin. Every time I've lied, every time I've, uh, just come across with a bad attitude every time I've hated, every time I've cursed, fill in the blank, right? He laid all of that on Jesus, and Jesus became that on the cross. He became afflicted. That's what Isaiah's saying. He was smitten. He was afflicted. He suffered. Why? Because of my sin, as if he had done it. That's an incredible thought that The God of the universe, the creator of the universe who puts on flesh at Christmas, who has every right to punish our sin and for us to suffer under his wrath, he kind of goes in and takes our place. In fact, look at this. He was, because of my sin, he was beaten down. He was made to suffer. If I was made to suffer, you you ever suffered for something you didn't do? You ever speak up about that? I mentioned Christmas growing up. I have three younger brothers. Maybe you have uh, some family. And whenever it was something happened and I got blamed for it and I didn't do it, I was very vocal about the fact that it was one of my brothers. And vice versa, they were very vocal when it was me who did it. If, if there's something done wrong to me and I suffer because of something I never did, I, we tend to be vocal about it, don't we? But Jesus didn't open his mouth. In fact, he was led away like a sheep. He's like us to be killed. He takes our place. Lambs are silent while their wool is being cut off. In the same way, he didn't open his mouth. He never said a word. But he could have at any time. In fact, remember, this is hundreds of years before Jesus was born, predicting what would happen to him after his birth. Uh, Verse 8, check this out. He was arrested and sentenced to death. Then he was taken away. Again, seven to 800 years before Jesus was born, all of this is predicted and it gets played out perfectly. One, uh, one uh, uh, scholar, he was a statistician and in his class he, uh, that he taught at, at college, he decided to have them figure out what was the probability that somebody could just come and fulfill some of these prophecies about Jesus from the Old Testament. And there's over 300 of them that he's fulfilled perfectly. Let, but let's just boil that down to eight and figure out what would be the probability of him fulfilling just eight of them. 
Do you know what that probability was? It was one times 10 to the 17th power. So uh, a 10 with 17 zeros after it. To give you an idea, uh, the state of Indiana is pretty good size, right? But it fits inside the state of Texas uh, over seven times. If you would cover the state of Texas knee high in silver dollars, mark one with an X, and then I blindfold you, you fly in on a helicopter, reach down out of the helicopter, grab one, the probability of you grabbing the one that I marked with an X on it is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's just eight of the 300. So this all happened. He was arrested. He was sentenced to death. Then he was taken away. He was cut off from this life. He was punished for the sins of my people. Who among those who were living at that time could have understood those things? He was given a grave. What Isaiah was saying there, by the way, is that they just, they didn't have any clue even what they were doing to him when he died. He, he was given a grave with those who were evil, but his body was buried in the tomb of a rich man. He was killed even though he hadn't harmed anyone, and he had never lied to anyone. Yet he suffers on the cross for you and for me. You know, really, as mentioned Christmas, we think about giving gifts and one of the things we do is we give a gift to Jesus. We just read about some of those gifts, right? They're a little bit messy, kind of ugly. We wrap up our junk and give it to him. Maybe, um, I don't know, there could be, there, there's all kinds of things that we give to Jesus. You know, our, our sin, we give to him, we wrap up and give to him. Our, our, uh, our addiction, we give to him. And, and really, the Christian life, becoming a Christian, is a, is a gift exchange. Um, I give up. Uh, he never lied, right? Well, I don't know about you. Have you ever told a lie? Uh, you're lying if you say you haven't. <laughs> I mean, we, we give him that, and we wrap it up, and, and we put it in the pile for him, our, our iniquities. But not only, not only these things, not only the things we've done, but sometimes the things we've done, it's been done to us, we give to him, you know? We, sometimes we have grief. Maybe you have some grief this year. You can kind of get rid of that and give that to him, or, or sickness, uh, maybe despair, uh, maybe heartache. And what we do is, is we wrap up all our junk, and it's usually not very pretty. It's kind of an ugly box, and... We just kind of get it together as best we can and try to tape it up. And we're not really sure, you know, it's, it's not going to make it through the post office anyway without getting damaged. And so we wrap it up for him. And we say, here, Jesus, this is my gift to you. All my junk. But the great thing is, he receives it. Did you know that? I mean, do you ever get tired sometimes maybe of people coming to you with all their junk? Guess who never tires of that? Jesus doesn't. And he sees this as a precious gift that you give to him. In fact, if you notice one of those verses that says that he was, he was stricken for us, he was uh, beaten because of our sin, he suffered. And because of his wounds, what happens to us? We're healed. See, we give gifts to Jesus, but it's also true that Jesus gives a gift to us. 
In fact, Jesus himself is God's gift to us at Christmas. He was born, as we sang, and as we've read, that we could have life. And what happens when you become a Christian, if you become a Christian, because just because you're here, uh, or just maybe because you're watching, or you go to church somewhere, doesn't make you a Christian. Uh, Going to church no more makes you a Christian than going to Taco Bell makes you a chalupa. You sit around Taco Bell long enough, you eat enough chalupas, you'll smell like a chalupa, you might start to look like one, but you won't become one. Same thing at church, right? You can go through all the motions, you can do it all right, but the reality is you've got a lot of junk that needs to be dealt with. And the only way for it to be dealt with is not to hide it in a box, but it's to wrap it up and give it to Jesus as a gift. But then something else happens. See, it's actually a gift exchange, becoming a Christian, because we give Jesus all of our junk, and he who knew no sin became sin, so that, the Bible says, we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus turns around and he says, thank you. I love that gift. Thanks for giving it to me. Let me take that. And then he says, here, why don't you have this? And he hands us his righteousness. And he makes us new. The, theologically, that's called imputed or it's credited to us. Nothing that you've done, nothing that I've done. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everybody who does good enough and goes to church enough and gets it all right could be saved and have eternal life. Is that how it goes? No, it's not how it goes. God, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life, period. (laughs) That's it. Paul tells us that that it's not because of any of our good works, he tells Titus, that that we're saved, but because of Jesus' good works. And so what happens is Jesus wraps up his righteousness and he gives it to us and he says, here, take this, this is for you. So that when you and I stand before a holy and perfect God before whom we have no chance of being justified on our own, We have Jesus' righteousness, and we're clothed in that, and we're in Christ and made new, and that's why we exchange gifts at Christmas, because God gave us his son as a gift. Friend, if you've never trusted Jesus, you've never received that gift, uh, it's really simple. It starts with you giving your gift to him. You just, you pray and you say, Jesus, I am so messed up, I'm so sinful, I've been trying so hard on my own and I I always fall short and I'm really messed up. And this is, this is really, really ugly. Are you sure? And he says, give it to me and you offer it to him and he receives it. And it's called repentance when I turn from myself and I turn to Jesus and then he gives me his righteousness which is so much bigger and so much better than anything I could fill that box with. If you would like to trust him, it's a simple act of faith and you could receive the greatest gift there is this Christmas. Let me pray. We're gonna sing and call it a night. 